Welcome to the Randy Selzer Real Estate Podcast, where we discuss important topics for buyers, sellers, and investors in the Toronto area real estate market. Here's your host, Randy Selzer. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to my YouTube channel. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. Jordan Sylvester is joining us today from Windsor, Ontario. He is a prominent realtor in Windsor, and he has a large team of people working with him. And he's grown up in a real estate family. Real estate has been his entire life. So welcome, Jordan. So nice to have you on board today. Hey, Randy. Thank you so much for having me. Great to be here. Oh, no problem. My pleasure. <laughs> so we were chatting just a little bit before we started the recording uh, today, and uh, we got a lot we could talk about. We can talk about the state of the market. We can talk about investing, uh, and a lot of other things. But before we start, tell us a little bit about yourself for the listeners today. Uh, I know you mentioned you grew up in a family that worked in real estate. Tell us your story, a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I grew up with my dad being a realtor since 88. I was born in 84. So most of my uh, knowledgeable life, I had a realtor as a father. And so when I look back at my life, actually at 18, I took off to Toronto. I was up in your neck of the woods in Brampton, Ajax, downtown okay. at Eglinton and Allen, you know, all over. Okay. Uh, and then realized uh, maybe my dad wasn't um, as dumb as every 18-year-old thinks his dad is and uh, and came back to work with him. And so then I jumped into the business. And and again, the benefit of real estate that I find is just helping people do what they want to do. It's not as much as there is sales and negotiation as part of the job, but really it's just helping people understand what they're looking for and you just help them facilitate. So from that perspective, I've enjoyed the job for 16 years. My my dad is now retired, which is a cool thing for a realtor because most realtors never get to. Uh, from my perspective, most of them work till uh, you know they're either forced out for other reasons, but till they, uh, yeah, till anyway. they drop, till they drop, till they man. work. Yeah, yeah. so they're, they're realtors till they drop. So it was, it was cool to be able to um, you know create an opportunity for him to be able to actually retire and then meet it to you know continue with the business. And then my kid will be 18 shortly. So with that. We'll see what he decides he wants to do. There's a chance wow. he'll either go down the investment route, which is what his dad's up to, and or the real estate route. And, I, and I've told him, you got to make, you know, you don't want to split your focus too much at your age because you want to get wow. your, your feet wet and, and choose the path. And I'm supporting you whichever path you choose. So it's really kind of cool to let him kind of wander and maybe he'll choose something completely different, which is also completely up to him. So amazing. They grow up so quickly, don't they? Oh my goodness! They, I, I it's hard to believe I'll have an eighteen-year-old child in T-minus yeah, uh, March third. <laughs> <laughs> well, I won't be forty well, yet, so I'll be forty in uh, in July. Yeah. So I, I don't think I'm too old yet. <laughs> no, not at all. No, my daughter's about your age, and she's uh, she's a high school teacher out in Vancouver. She wanted to be awesome. a teacher her whole life, and she loves it out there. I don't think she's ever coming back. She loves the BC lifestyle, so she's into all that kind of stuff. But there you uh, go. they they do grow up quickly. So okay, so you grew up in a real estate family. Uh, you've been in real estate a long time. You moved to Toronto. You moved back to Windsor, which is great. And um, you have a large team there. I know you've grown. I was just checking out your website. You've got a bunch of people working with you uh, on your team. How did that uh, process go when you decided to grow a team? So I actually grew a team with my dad. And then my dad was retiring. I joined a team, which is the Verge real estate team. So I actually am not the, uh, I would work with them. Um, uh, I powered my business by, by looking at one of the teams that was within our brokerage and went, you guys are amazing. And I wanted to join them. Um, so to insulate, well, I was also investing. So the cool part about a team is, is you have people who can support you and you can support yep. them and depending on, you know, the camaraderie. And so with my dad and a team, I, I, you know, as, as my dad was looking at retirement, I was like, well, and, and we had a team with my sister and a few others and it had kind of with COVID changed. 
And uh, my sister kind of wanted to go out on her own, which was kind of cool. And then, um, you know, resetting from there, we decided to join the Verge real estate team, which was an awesome experience. Still with them, plan to stay with them. And then within their team, I've actually rebuilt a little bit on the social media side, uh, my own little team, which I have my personal assistant, Shauna. And, uh, and then I've got my buddy, Chris, who does most of my social media. And then my mom, who kind of manages my database for me. So it's really kind of cool because I get the benefit of realtors on the, on the big team. And then I've got my own like insulated team that I'm working with, which is a cool experience. And people say, well, why don't you just do your own thing? I said, well, I really like um, community. And for me, um, real estate is hard enough on your own. I, I, I think it's really cool when you can get in a room with a bunch of people who are, who are together, not just at the brokerage level, but on the team level um, that have your back, that really you know, want to see the best in you. And it's not about competition. There's, there's a healthy amount of that. You want to you compete with your, your friends in this business, but at the same time, you have their best interests at heart. You, you both work towards the same goals. You're, you're, you're trudging together through it, even though sometimes it's nice to one-up your buddy and then one-up you. Like That's part of the game of real estate, which is an amazing Totally thing. relate to that. Totally. And for <laughs> anyone listening who's not in real estate or for those realtors who are listening in, it's not easy to build a team like that. It really isn't. I've seen many people try and fail because you there's usually some some conflict that comes up eventually. So uh, kudos to you, man. That's great. You've yeah. got kind of a team within a awesome. team, which is uh, is great to build. So tell us a little bit about, I mean, right now we're at such a crossroads, I think. You've been in the market a long time as, as have I. <laughs> and um, I, I've mentioned earlier, I don't think I've ever seen a market that has more uncertainty about it. Um, I mean, we've had ups and downs before. When I started, I started in 93. And uh, we were still recovering from the big, big crash that happened in 1989, where everything just went. It took it. They didn't actually start to recover price wise until 1996. It took seven years to start right. building prices back up. That was the biggest single crash, and um, which was amazing. And then there was another big downturn, I believe, in around 2007, 2008. The U.S. I think was affected worse than we were, but it. Uh, we've had these ups and downs for years. And some of them created by legislation, like when they brought in certain rules in 2017. Uh, but now here we are, and we went through COVID, which was a, a life-changing experience for the world, I think. And yep. we went through a period of ultra-low interest rates where I believe the governments of the world were worried that the whole world would go into depression because of COVID. And we were looking at like 0% interest rates uh, or 1% mortgages, 1.5%, 2% mortgages, which is really free money when you think about it. Yep. And uh, that fueled this great boom, not just in Canada, but across the world, I think. And then the central banks kind of woke up in the early part of 2022 and said, hey, we got inflation. Wonder What a surprise. And uh, so we had, I believe it was 10 interest rate increases over a short period of time. And mortgage rates went from 2% up to 5.5%, 6%, just like that. And a lot of people got squeezed. A lot of buyers got priced out of the market. The stress test is still in place. A lot of investors got into some trouble because what was previously a cash positive investment, when they had to renew their mortgages, uh, all of a sudden is no longer a cash positive, is uh, now a cash negative investment. So there's been a lot of turmoil in the industry. Uh, nevertheless, uh, we're at a point now where a lot of people, a lot of sort of market watchers and economists are saying, well, rates are going to come down this year. Uh, the proof is in the pudding. We're still waiting to see whether that's going to happen or not. I personally believe that it's going to take a little longer. Uh, some of the wild-eyed optimists out there are believing we're going to have rate cuts like next month. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think we're going to see anything till the latter part of this year. But again, that's just my opinion. I don't really know. 
but because of that uncertainty, um, I mean, I believe the stats at the end of uh, 2023 for Toronto it was the lowest number of sales in 2023 since 2001. 2001 mm -hmm. for total sales, unit number of sales, which is incredible because the GTA has grown a lot since 2001. <laughs> and so it was really a bad year. I know some from personal friends of mine who had rough years in, in the industry. And but there's still an optimism out there. And I believe, especially with the immigration surge that we have seen uh, over the past year, it's been in all the newspapers that last year, Canada let in 1.2 million new people into the country, which is just an incredible surge, uh, has kind of built a floor, I think, for people, both for rentals, because the rental market also was on fire. And mm -hmm. um, and also uh, for people who could afford it, you know, sales were still taking place. And we were seeing, I don't know if you saw in the in the news uh, in Windsor, but there's been some crazy stuff that happened. There was a, a, a semi in Mississauga that had 85 offers on it. The, the agent deliberately underpriced. It was in the newspapers, in the Toronto Star. 85 yep. offers, which is ridiculous. Who has 80? I've never even heard of such a thing. <laughs> uh, but it's it was they priced it at $7.99, which for Mississauga for a semi is underpriced. And it sold for $9.99, $9.99, just under a million dollars. At that point, at million dollars, you have to have twenty percent to put down. So right. there's yeah. maybe the a connection there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there may be a connection there. So, <laughs> but, but my point, and I tend to ramble on, uh, Jordan. So just tell me, give me the hook if I if I talk too much. Okay. Uh, but no, but there's there yeah. there the, there is still a lot of demand out there. It's just kind of sitting on the fence, and especially with all this immigration, you got people coming here, and a lot of the immigrants that came in the last year are highly educated. They got university degrees. They speak English, uh, and they're you know some of them come with money, like big money. And so, right. the, the, it, again, it's built kind of a floor. But my sense is that there's a lot of people waiting on the sidelines for something to happen, and then they're going to jump back in, and we're going to be back into a scenario I think uh, where prices will go up radically again. That may be a good or a bad scenario because I, I have a mixed emotions about it. <laughs> As a father or a potential grandfather, you worry about future generations. If that 1.2 million small house in Burlington, what happens if it's 2.2 million five years from now? Who's going to afford that? But anyways, right. I yes. digress. And but yep. what do you think? I mean, I, I've been to Windsor. It's a lovely town. Uh, it's a different... And people, again, listening to this podcast or to this video, <laughs> uh, real estate is so local. Like what what's happening... I, I always laugh at the Korea statistics when they come out for all of Canada, because what's happening in Calgary or Van doesn't have anything to do with what's happening in the GTA. What's happening in the right. GTA has nothing to do with what's going on in Windsor. They're all, and even in Mississauga, our market here is different than Toronto's completely. So it's right. it, real estate is such a local thing. So yep. tell us a little bit more about your perspective. You got a big <laughs> background, I know, in investing. Yep. And tell tell me what, if a person called you today, and uh, they've got some money put away and they're ready to invest in real estate. What would you tell them about the risks and the potential rewards going forward from here? Uh, right now, it's uh, the middle of February, 2024. What would you tell them? Yeah, so so just uh, just digesting everything there. Um, so a few things. So no, 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 that's okay. What, what I'm just gonna quickly um, articulate an opinion so that way they understand kind of where I stand in comparison. Sure. Um, so I, I am a person who tends to lean on the optimistic side. Um, and that's not to state that I, I don't use logic or reason. I just, I try to understand why the government or whoever's moving the rates in Canada or the U S 
is doing it. Cause I believe that we are very much tied to our partners in the South, primarily just the economy. We have to keep our dollar in lockstep with their dollar for the most part, or we get in trouble in, in Canada. And it's, if you don't right recognize on. that, then you would want to, you know, looking at that. So when the U S says they're going to cut the fed, we might want to consider the bank of Canada because again, inflation is one part of the whole. And then you have the dollar itself. The Canadian dollar is relates to the U S dollar. Um, so again, I, I would just tell people if you're if you're looking at investing, these are these are the the things that I lean in towards versus if you're buying because I'm going to live in it. If you're going to live in a home for 20 years, odds are it doesn't really matter today what you pay. Um, the honest truth is you're just going to make sure you don't go house poor. That's the number one thing as a realtor that I look for in my clients to say, hey, I know you want to move, but what's your life going to look like if you make that move? And let's say rates don't come down. Let's say we see a slight decrease and then we do hit 10 or 11% when you go to renew in a year and a half or two years because the world could change. Would you still be able to hold your home or are you prepared for what that could mean? It's not to be, oh, the world's going to, no, but being honest and considering what you might want to do and, and where owning your home outright and not holding a mortgage over the length of time, paying it down in, in a quicker manner so you can have that protection. Because if you own your house, mortgage rates are relevant to you. Now, if you're investing, they become relevant again. But from the perspective of your personal home, and I get it, like, again, Windsor, our average sale price is basically 540. In Toronto, it's basically 1.1. I believe is somewhere, like, we're basically half of, we're about half price if you want to drive four hours down the 401 um, <laughs> as a general rule, which is also why investing here sometimes are, has it. People are doing that. People are fleeing oh. the GTA. They're fleeing Vancouver, the top, you know, the overpriced yep. markets, and they are definitely moving out. They are definitely. Okay. Sorry. Well, Sorry to no, no, that's okay. No, no, you, you're good. And you're right. And the reason for it is two prong. One, COVID brought a along work from home. So a yes. lot of people, yep. even from Windsor, will commute to Toronto one day a week to get into the office and live here the rest of the time. Wow. If I want to get to, and here, here's the funny thing. So they're probably spending mm. less time going to an office by doing that than they did before when they went to and from work every day in the GTA. Cause I know when I lived there, it took me an hour just to get from where I lived at Eglinton and Allen over to Fairview mall because you had to go down and around and take the bus. And you know what I mean? Just to get across was almost an hour. So if you think about going into the office, yeah. jump on the train in Windsor, you're three and a half hours. You can work from the train, get into the office, jump back on the train and come back home. And you're doing that one day a week now for a lot of people that's massively changing the um, outlook of your big city. You used to have to be in the metropolis. So and because every day everyone expected you there today, you're seeing a lot of these high net wealth people. They're, they're able to live further away and only go in when necessary, when they're called in. And if they have to stay overnight for some meetings, they just rent a hotel room. Again, the benefit you're seeing in the world changing, and this is as an investor, it's important to know as a realtor, it's also important to know why people are coming and what that might look like. And and from the perspective of as the GTA might take a little longer to recover than a, a smaller market, we're only 200,000 people in the city and we're about half a million for the whole entire of Essex County when you guys are basically that in one corner, right? You're, you're basically that in Mississauga, you know what I mean? Mississauga yeah. is bigger than basically Essex County by itself. I think you guys are what, 700, 800? Close to 800, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right? But there, and you so, know what though? There's nothing wrong with being a smaller center. I, I, yeah. I changed my mind on that as well. Because uh, when we moved to Mississauga in 1991, it was like living in the country. And it's not like that anymore. Not at all. Right. But yeah, yeah. you're so absolutely I... right. So remote working remotely is now the big question is, and I just interviewed somebody about this last week. Uh, <laughs> the big question is, will that, that continue or will eventually the big companies, the big banks, for example, start to clamp down? A lot of them now, apparently, he was telling me, 
are requiring two days a week that their employees come in. I said, well, why sure. don't they just make it five days a week like before? He says they can't because it's a competitive marketplace. Of, there are labor shortages for skilled right. people. And he says, yep. if one bank enforces you got to be in five days a week, their people will quit. They'll just go to the other bank and work where they can work from home for three days a week and only have to come in twice. And I thought that was very interesting. And the, again, for skilled workers, we're talking skilled people right. who make good yeah, money. Of and, yep. um, you know, it's uh, but something I never really thought about. And uh, so, the, again, there's a lot yeah. of moving parts here, a lot of moving parts. I know people who have moved not just to places in Ontario, because I know quite a few that moved to Port Coburn, to Belleville. They're doing exactly what mm -hmm. you're saying. But I also know people that have moved out of the country. I know mm -hmm. a real uh, well, one guy kind of retired. He moved to Mexico and but he's still working. And he's living in Puerto Vallarta and loves it. I know another lady who's building a house in Costa Rica, one that moved to the Bahamas. People are doing this because of this digital nomad kind of lifestyle. If you have some yep. sort of job where you can work on your laptop, it doesn't matter where you live. Where well, you that's live. it. So, you can work from the beach. Like as a realtor, technically, if I had dream, someone man. who's my boots on the okay. ground, I'll, I'll, I'm going to one of our national conferences next week and I'm out of town. But I have a realtors who are boots on the ground. My clients call. The only thing I can't do from, from where I'll be, which is Vegas, right? I can write offers. I can negotiate. I can do everything I can do. The only thing no I couldn't problem. do is be physically present. And in today's economy of real estate, which I still believe one of the biggest mistakes we made as realtors is we haven't gotten back into the face-to-face. -face. Like there's so many realtors. We can now go to these events where, you know, we're back to, to going to different events and things with real face realtors, but I don't know half of them because I used to meet a lot of them at offer presentation. So you'd go meet with them. You had to go and actually get things signed. Today, everything's through AuthentiSign, DocuSign. So it's a whole cultural shift of, of what, what people's expectations are too, not just the realtors, but the public's expectation. Like right. I, I had a client reach out and say, oh, you didn't explain this part of the agreement to me. I said, yeah, I sent it to you over, over, over the thing and said, hey, if you have any questions, reach out. Right. Because right. instead of sitting down in an office like we used to and going it over it, like and, and so whether you're doing invest, I, I've talked to my investors and they've made decisions now without being present and doing their due diligence like they used to just, and it's not because they mean to forget. They just, they didn't consider things like they used to. We've gotten a little bit shy on our due diligence. And that's me personally too, because I move really fast. Well, and when you create a convenience, a lot of times you're like, oh, this is good. This is good. Till you run into the problem of the convenience. And then you're like, ooh, I, 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 <laughs> I see how this maybe isn't so good. <laughs> I, I am so with you on that. And I do miss, although I love the technology that we have today, and it's very useful in many cases. I also miss that face-to-face -face interaction. And especially with offers, now e-signatures, everything's done online. You don't, you don't meet the people, you don't meet the other agents. And I can remember in the old days when you're sitting at somebody's uh, you know, dining room table at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night, trying to do a sign back. And you could, it was so much more, um, uh, insightful i can remember you'd, you'd see people at the dining room table if you're representing a buyer let's say and you could mm -hmm. read them like you could see yep. how how motivated they were little looks between the husband and the wife that kind of stuff and i yep. miss all that i really do although i don't miss having to drive to scarborough to get a sign back done at 10 o'clock on a saturday night that's for sure and, now and that's the we, convenience factor yeah exactly and we do stuff that it would have been impossible uh, you know, where you do an offer, I did a deal with a guy in Dubai, the guy's in Dubai and we're mm -hmm. doing back. I mean, you could have faxed it, but that would have been a disaster back in the day. So yeah, we right. do have the benefit and I'm not a technical person at all. As, uh, as you probably figured out by now, I'm clueless when it comes to technology, but it is a mixed blessing. It really is. And yeah. I think we are more, um, what's the right word, more detached as a society uh, when people are working from home. 
uh, when people are doing business, conducting business on the internet. I mean, Zoom meetings are great. Don't get me wrong. You know, it's lovely right. to meet you today. It's lovely to meet yeah. you. Yeah. But but it's not quite the same as being in the same room. And so God bless you. Are you going? Is it the NAR conference? Is that what it is? No, it's a it's it's called Family Reunion. Keller Williams puts it on. So okay. that's their okay. it's their big uh, company one. And with that, nice. there's seventeen uh, between fifteen to seventeen thousand realtors descending on Vegas oh for this God. conference. So it's a it's a really cool experience. I've been we went to New Orleans for this one a few years ago. It was in Anaheim nice. last year. Couldn't go with the border restrictions. Um, you know, and then of course they canceled it during COVID. And so it's been interesting, but then they also have one that was in August, which I was down in Austin, which is always in Austin, which is where their headquarters is. What I really find important. And again, whether you're an investor, whether you're, you're, you're educating yourself, it's really cool to be around the energy of people. One of the things, like you just said, being in front of the buyers and sellers while you're negotiating, you can read energy from them. You yes, can you understand their motivations. You can understand who they are when you're doing it. Like I, I talked to the other realtor and it's good. Cause we, I, like I've learned to communicate extremely well. That's what you do in this business. You learn how to listen. You learn how to understand what they're saying, even when they can't say exactly what they mean. Um, you try to, you know, cause we're all negotiating to try to get the best result for whoever we're currently representing. Right. And so what's really interesting though, is it's it, when you're in person, you get to read the people so much differently. You're able to understand them so much better. Even doing a podcast like this, if we were sitting across the table, just having a conversation, yep. not that Zoom isn't good. I like the fact that I don't have to drive four hours or you don't have to drive four hours to have this conversation. But at the same time, I would love to actually meet you if I was up there and it could, you know, would, would be a different experience, not because of, of anything. I could read your body language. We would be able to feel each other out a little bit more. And, and I think that's yeah. how you build stronger and better relationships. And when so you're true. thinking office, right, you're thinking of even in your, in your offices is in business, we're losing that. Like, think about the fact you don't go out to eat, you skip the dishes in, you Uber eats, you do those things. You're not even going out to the places yeah. and going inside and talking to human beings. You can now, for the most part, because of COVID, live without without human connection. And at first, I think a lot of people are like, oh, it's nice. It's nice to not have to you know, go out. But then you realize, like I, somebody I, asked me the other day, how do you get business in this business anymore? I said, the hard part is, is even when I go out, because I like to be out and about, and I, I'm a very much interact right. uh, at the bar, interact at the, the restaurant, interact in those locations with other human beings just randomly. Yep. I said, what's interesting is the random human beings aren't out there anymore. There's so many people you go out and it's just quiet comparative yes. to before. And two parts uh, are there. One is that I think we're, we're dealing with still a lingering depression. I don't know if you want to call it that, but, but almost a, 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 um, a desire to not engage. And I'm not sure that's healthy as a society, because again, I think we're so much better in community. I think we all win in community where we support each other and help uh, each other. So Jordan, you, you're a good thinker. You are. I'm saying that sincerely. Uh, <laughs> you're absolutely right. Um, here, if I go to square one, which is a big shopping mall here in Mississauga, yep. It's nowhere. It's nowhere near as busy as it used right. to be, and it, is it a hangover from COVID? Maybe partially. COVID is still out there. It's still. Yep. I know COVID's out there for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is, but, but also, people are buying so much stuff online, and mm -hmm. you're right. There's less human interaction. We're like kind of cocooning. We're staying at home, like you say. They're ordering food in. Uh, they're talking to their realtor on a Zoom meeting. Uh, they're making offers with e-signatures in our industry. It's a lot yep. less personal than it used to be. However, the one thing for sure in real estate, I believe, uh, if you're buying a property, you need to see it in person. I did one transaction where they didn't see it in person. It was an investor. And they were here, oh. actually. They came from Calgary. And we were looking for like a week while they were here for a condo. This was back when they're in the crazy market two years ago, three years ago. 
And we got blown out on a couple of multiple offers. They had to go back to Calgary. So then I went out a couple of times, once with a relative of theirs, and once just me doing FaceTime on my phone, looking mm-hmm. at these condos in Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. And I found we found a nice one and they they liked it. But I felt so nervous about it. I said, are you right. sure you want to do this? Like you have not been in this condo yourself. We're doing it over the phone. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I sent him more than one video and we, we went mm-hmm. over it. And it was like, you know, make sure you know what you're doing here. But anyways, they ended up buying it. We got it. And the, knock on wood, they're happy with it. But I felt very odd getting somebody right. to buy something and they haven't even seen the property in person. I think in real estate, in the business you and I are in, yeah. it's a feeling. You you walk in a house, you, you've seen this a hundred times, a thousand times probably, <laughs> where you walk with a client, if it's a buyer, and you yep. just you, you can read their body language, you know instantly they like it. This is this could be the one. You just know right. it. Other times yep. you walk in, you know it's a beautiful property, but you just know instantly it ain't talking to them. You know, right. it's it's a it's again, it's a human thing where you're reading that person's energy, which you you said it so eloquently. And it's true. That's part of the business that we're in. You just, I had a lady buy a house once because she liked the flowers. They were uh, peonies <laughs> in the backyard and she was an English lady. She says, oh, it reminds me of back home in England. What? Yeah. She bought a house based on the flowers in the backyard. That's not logical. But Well, and he, that's, I think, again, another thing to consider is, so as an investor, I have a mindset because I'm a bones natured okay. person. So, right. so when you're thinking about the investment side, I look at structure. I don't really care what it looks like inside, honestly. And my clients, I tell them all the time, one of the hardest things I run into with new investors is they think they're going to live there. And I have to remind them, hey guys, you're not going to actually live in this property. It's not to state that you shouldn't care, care about it. But if you don't necessarily like the floors, you don't necessarily like the kitchen, you don't necessarily like all of those things, you know what you can do? You can change them. But also you're renting the space out to another human being. And that doesn't mean they you need to spend right. all of the money. Well, a lot of human beings, here's the thing. So you make this thing immaculate and beautiful, then it's priced at a point that might not be acceptable for a bunch of people who are looking for homes. And again, so no different than, than renovating a house. I'm a, like, as an investor, you, you can do the flip renovation. The issue is, is you're taking a product off the market, which is what they complain about. Now, a lot of the product that I take off the market wasn't really livable anymore. It ended up being somebody who had some mental issues, hoarders and different things. I want to be cautious as I speak about people's mental health. You you have death and, 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 and grandma and grandpa who live there forever and they just maintain the property as it was, but it's built in 1955 and still is built in 1955. Nothing's These changing. homes do need a certain yeah. amount of attention. Now, the issue is, is if you take a home that is just needing floors and paint and maybe a, a mild renovation and you update it, well, you're taking a piece of product away from the market itself. Now, as an investor, here's the thing. If I can make money on an investment, whether it's me personally or whether that's with my uh, whether it's for one of my investors, I don't, you know, we're going to buy the property. And if we compete with you and we buy it, we're going to do the things we need to, to get the maximum return. That's the business of investing. When you're going to live in it, it's different. And that's why I try to really understand the psychology. Like you said, people are like, oh, they're going to be able to buy without seeing it. I said, I don't even think virtual reality will do that. I said, because the smells, the things, the reason why that lady walked in the backyard and had that moment wasn't just that she saw it. It's the memory attached to it and the environment. And, and no matter how good Zoom ever gets or these virtual tours, even if you put the headset on, you can walk through the property, you're still not going to breathe the air. You're still not going to be able to actually feel it. 
And from the perspective of a homeowner, I think they're going to want to always walk through. There are people who can't because they're out of country and they're going to have to buy sight unseen for, you know, super external reasons. But I've had people drive from Ottawa. I've had people drive from Montreal. I've had people come into town. We get an accepted offer and they drive down, right? So I've had them buy it with conditions okay. and then they drive into town to do the inspection. And again, everything right. I talk about and, and most of the time, I'll be honest, they do close. They do come in and they enjoy the property yep. and they're in the, this property and they go through it. Wow. But on the occasion that something pops up or something about it does end up being off, they have their conditions there to protect them. And and a lot of times I up, I'm up front with the other realtor. I don't pretend like the person's been there if they haven't. I say, hey, but odds are like, here's all the things we've looked at. Here's all the properties or they were down a couple of weeks ago and we looked at these ones. They didn't really fit. This is why this one should. Yep. And I try to be as honest as I can, because at the end of the day, buyers want to touch and feel the thing. And they, and I always tell people, the reason why you depersonalize your home is you want them to believe it's theirs. The moment yes. that they walk through the front door, you want them to believe it's theirs. It's not that they, you don't want to, yeah, the photos on the wall are a problem, but you, people see a photo and they say, do I know you? Do I know this person? And, if, right. and, 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 and then immediately this is now your home and, and similar declutter is space. But more importantly, the most important thing is the mindset of the buyer, the mindset of the investor, the mindset of the seller, because you, it gives you a lot of information about why they're trying to accomplish the thing they're trying to accomplish, right? What's what's one of the questions? Well, why are they selling, right? Or why, like, why is your, wh where's your buyer buying from? Like, are they, did they sell a home and they need to move? Like, what's their motivation? You always get these questions. Right. And and what's really cool about that is, is if, if you're really good at your job as a realtor, you want to understand your client's motivation. That's why I, I a lot of times I was, I have have a conversation come up with a client shortly who was a realtor in her past. And she's like, well, I don't know if I'll make the offer. I said, well, here's the thing. What's the number that makes sense to you? I say, because I've already told you now, you probably gonna have to make five to 10 offers as an investor before yep. you buy. And right. it's not because, and it's not because you're dumb. It's because you don't understand you're not there yet. And if you don't take the first step, you'll never get there. I said, because Right now there's fear. Right now there's a lack of knowledge. You were talking earlier. There's there's so much uncertainty, but if you want to find out, make make a decision that you're comfortable with and take a step. And if the comfort goes away, like it's it's there's only fear until you act. Once you act, you're going to know one way or the other how you feel about it. Don't make a cash offer in that scenario, guys. Like don't don't put yourself where you can't walk away if right. you're not prepared for for that. And if you need to, like as a realtor, I'm going to advise you in the current market circumstance, whether or not that's necessary or unnecessary, if you hire, again, professionals. It doesn't need to be me. There's a lot of really good people. Verify, clarify who you're working with. Know them well. Trust them. Trust their expertise, whether that's an accountant, a lawyer, mortgage broker, realtor, other investors. You know, you want to you have people you know and trust in this business and then you're able to at least listen and then you get to make your own choices. But the worst thing I think for a lot of people is, is they're, they're in action, which, which means they're making a choice to not act um, right. it, it, out of fear. Now, I'm not saying if you, if you're really unable or you really don't believe it's right for you, like that's not the conversation. It's these, these like last little hiccups you're trying to jump through. And like I said to her, I said, just write any offer you're comfortable with. And if you're not comfortable with writing an offer, then don't, but understand if you don't, what does that mean long-term, right? What does it mean when you can't even put a number that doesn't matter on a piece of paper, right? Like, because that means you're not really prepared okay. for what you're asking. And then you go back and you just clarify, this is not being mean, this is being honest. Because what's the point in wasting her time if she's not really prepared? Educate, right? You want to educate, give them opportunity, and then see where their learning's at, and then see how you can move them along the the the, the treadmill of investing. And I think as as listeners, if you're watching the real estate market, we chatted about interest rates. Odds are the five year fixed is on its way down. It is it is trending it is. down. It doesn't right. mean it won't catch and bounce. It's been trending. It was trending up and doing it, and now it's trending down and doing it. 
Right. There is a chance for a catch and a, and a little bit of a tick up. There's also a chance that it does continue to fall. I like this market primarily because it feels stable for the first time in seven or eight years. And in Toronto, I'm sure it's the first time in 20, um, where there's mm -hmm. some stability to the actual market where you kind of, if you sell your home today and you buy your home tomorrow, there's they're, they're actually going to be likely in the same variance of about 2%. There's not a, you sell it today and in six weeks, it's up 10 or 15. Like there were times the market just moved at an exponential Tell speed me. and Crazy. As a as a as a person who wants to be um, a professional who who wants to be able to articulate really clear and honest communication, it's hard when you don't know where everything's going to be. And I and I can't you know none yeah. of us are prophets, none of us have a crystal ball. But when we're looking into the future, we are trying to give the best advice we can, which is why right now, and again we chat about this. If I told you you could buy property in 08, how many would you buy? You'd buy them all. And that doesn't mean you should buy them all today, but you should no. have a mentality. Knowing what of, we know today. Exactly. But, but it's knowing what you know, but it's also when you look back, the truth is, is you already knew it. Here's, here's the worst thing. And I think as human beings, we get caught up in the current moment. And this isn't to say you shouldn't look like the past is an educator, right? So what has happened in 1970? What happened in 1980? What happened in 1990? And try to understand the timeline. Now, if you're saying, I want to, if you're saying, me today. And you're saying, Jordan, I want to do a flip, which is what some of my clients ask me. So that's a tough pill to swallow in our current economy only because the rate that it could go down and the rate that it could go up is the variance is very tight. Right. And, and so in the moment, um, you know, there's that, but as a cash flow asset, there are products we have that are actually working again, which primarily still requires two people to live in a pro or two separate entities in one property. You, it's very hard to buy single family um, cash flow. Right. But it is. And again, you guys have a lot of condos in the GTA. We actually have a ton of them being built down here in Windsor, Essex these days. Interesting. Um, but we were primarily a single family. You know, yeah. you own a piece of land with a house and a basement. So magically, there's this basement space that with the technology we have today that can be finished um, as student rental or as as uh, we have the, the project. So we have short term rental or you could rent it out to a young family and you're just finishing that space and adding value for cash flow. So whether uh, like. As, a, as an investor, a lot of the properties that we've either had to take basements back and try to do these renovations to make them cash flow positive, mm -hmm. or we've had to try some, you got to get creative when the market changes and the shift, right? So we see a massive shift and you said the sales, right? The sales are huge. And as a realtor, I, I tried to shift back into transactional real estate once the investment side wasn't necessarily as profitable. And the funny part is real estate itself hasn't been as a realtor nearly as profitable because we're working at about 60 per, 50 to 60% of the sales. Well, there's a lot of realtors, especially in the GTA. I think you guys are around 60,000. It's we're over only... 60. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And we're at, we're at, we're at 1,400 here in the city of Windsor. That's so... enough. Trust me, that's enough. Yeah, it's more um... than enough. And and there's a lot of people who are who are fending out there. And so what you're seeing is, is realtors are... I have a buddy who does hiring. He says there's more realtors looking for other jobs these days than are yes. probably transacting in real estate I... just because for the sure. volume is so low. The prices fell but the volume has remained low because of this fear. And I think that the only concern though is we did have 700 sales a month. You guys, I don't even know what on earth you guys had in the GTA, but we were at about, just for context, we've been uh, 260 to about 350 for a while now, but we were about seven, eight, 900 at times in the, in the other economy. The idea that that won't come back, odds are, maybe it doesn't come back all the way to 900, but getting back up to six, 700 shouldn't be impossible for our market because it's done it before. This is the 08 mentality. We, we think that the sky is going to continue to fall eventually, eventually, you know, everything finds its level, like the buoyancy point catches and we start to see the recovery and, and it might take, like you said, in the nineties, it took seven years and 08, it took about three.
right? We right. went down from 07, 08, right. 09 hit bottom, 10 and 11. We were basically back by 11 and then 12 started to climb by yeah. 15. It went insane. So well, you bring up a lot of good points and I agree with you hundred percent. Actually, every, normally I disagree with a lot of things that people say on my podcast, but you, you and I are in sync. Um, yeah. First of all, with the number of agents uh, that is definitely going to shrink. Uh, right. There's a, a lot of part-time here in the GTA. There's, there's thousands of them that got their license because they could get some tax deductions and they might sell one house a year to their relative or their friend. Uh, but they had they work full time at the post office or whatever. Not, nothing right. against the post yep. office, but and that's fine. There's people that did it as sort of a side hustle. But uh, as you said, because the numbers dropped so so much, a lot of those guys are going. Well, wait a minute. You know, for selling one house a year to my uncle, it's not worth it. You know, uh, all right. the expenses that come with it. We've got this latest ORWP thing that just came in. I'm sure you're <laughs> yep. aware of that. Uh, which added a lot to uh, the it's a it's a, a wellness plan that Aria the Aria, uh, Ontario Real Estate Association brought in just at the beginning of the year, uh, which uh, greatly boosted the cost of just maintaining a license. So a lot of those part timer guys are going to go away. I think that's actually a good thing uh, mm -hmm. because the full timers, the true professionals that work in the industry, uh, I mean, you could say, well, it's, it's just one deal a year, but when there's ten thousand of them like that. That's 10,000 deals that got taken out of the pot and right. they may be get, uh, back in the pot. I think I think you're definitely seeing that uh, that's going to happen. Uh, and I agree with you that uh, the time to buy is not when you're in, in multiple offers on every offer you make. And I was in some ridiculous offers <laughs> back in 2021, for example, where there's like 24, 26, 30 offers on a condo or something ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And they didn't even matter. And they were all cash because if you had any any condition whatsoever in there, you were not in the running. Uh, they were right. all cash offers, no chance to back out. As I think most of my listeners know, when you're buying new construction, there's a 10-day cooling off period. But when you're buying on the MLS for an existing property, there's no cooling off period. If you buy it firm, you bought the house or the condo, yep. whatever. And so yep. those were that was not particularly a good time. I'm glad to see that hopefully is going to go away. A balanced market. I think most realtors want a balanced market where the craziness is, is kind of filtered out. Uh, but okay, so going back to my earlier question, a guy comes into you uh, today or a couple comes into you today uh, and they yep. say, you know what? We own a house already here in Windsor, but we want to buy another one as an investment, just a small property, a bungalow or something, maybe with a basement apartment. We can get two checks a month if we get two properties. Mm -hmm. What would you tell them today in February, 2024? Would you tell them, would you say, okay, let's start looking. We're going to do it now. Or would you tell them to wait? What would you tell that person? If they've uh, got the I, money, I, if they've got the financing in place. Yeah, I would tell them as long as there is there is if you're in a cash flow conversation, then right. do it today. So if you can cash you flow today with the information, then 100% make the deal. Okay. If you are going to flip it within the next year or two and you're trying to yeah. buy in today and get back out, then I would add caution and I'd add a lot. There's agree. a lot of economic um, uncertainty. And here's the thing. Do I think that the world's going to fall apart? I think it already did. So I think we're going to be in recovery. The length of with which right. is up to anybody. You're not supposed to say that, man. No, well, there is a lot of uncertainty, though. You're right. And not just and, in Canada, but across the world. We've got wars in Europe. We've got a lot yep. of dra drama going on in the United States right now politically. Canada, yep. I mean... Yeah, we're we're doing all right, but we've added 1.2 million people last year, yep. and I just and read adding more. Yes, adding more this year, and I I just read recently that if if you look at our GDP per capita per person, we're in a recession. 
if they had not right. added all those people in the last year and with more to come, uh, we were we would actually be in a recession. So yes, there's some risks out there, but I also see this crazy stuff that if you know there's just a just a hint of a drop in rates, and all of a sudden everybody comes out of the woodwork and there's 85 offers on a semi in Mississauga, which is ridiculous, absolutely well, ridiculous. I and I think that's where the where where we have to be very cautious um, with 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 telling people to wait is when they tick down. So they have not ticked down the the uh, the uh, Bank of Canada rate. No, if they do, it's and the when same. they do, but when they do, the world explosion. The, the, correct, explosion. because right. expectation. So understand, and this is not meant to be rude to anyone, but the masses of people who believe information as it's disseminated to them is greater than the intelligence of those people. Meaning we tend to believe as a culture, it's just true. And, and this is, this is, this is the negative side sometimes of, of, well, I saw Paul do it. So then David does it. And then Jim does it. And then Steve does it. And by the time the problem is, is usually by the time you've heard that it's a good time to do it, it's actually might be too late. And what that means is by the time you're in full agreement with the change and what's going on, you're probably too late. And that's why having a professional that you know and trust, this is why trust will be huge. Because there is an idea that as soon as the, the, the five-year fixed rate is coming down, so we're seeing the market price stabilize and rise. It is rising. It's just rising slowly. And one of the funny things is, of course, as a realtor, we post our monthly update. You know, We're seeing transactions go up and we're seeing the price start to recover. And we think, good. Well, I had two people respond on there saying, no, not good. How are my kids going to, like you mentioned, buy into this market? And I went, Okay, one second, because now I need to make sure I, I speak very clearly and, and honestly to that. Like that's their response. And I get it because people are frustrated because a lot of like I've got an 18 year old son. So like, how are they going to buy into the market? What happens? Well, two things. One is I've recommended very highly that if you want to live in your parents' basement anyway, buy a house that you that you wouldn't live in, but you can rent because at least you're into equity. And so one of my greatest like tricks of the trade is get a good job, make enough money, but you can't buy in the area that you'd want to live in. No problem. You know what? People live there and they rent there. So buy a property that of course cash flows that might need some work, learn some skills as a young person and invest into a neighborhood that you yourself don't need to live in and tell your parents, like make an agreement with your parents. That you're going to live in their basement. You're going to live advice. there anyway. So, 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 so why wouldn't you invest into the equity market of the real estate? Because if you're trying to catch equity, you're going to outsave the increase. That that is not proven to be true. At five percent in Toronto for a number of years, that's fifty thousand at minimum. You have to save basically on a million dollars, right? So, right. how are you ever going to outsave the change in value? And so again, because it's just not a practical thing. So if you can enter now, if you can't enter, this is where we're talking with a lot of people, and there's a lot of conversation about cohabitation, right? So. There's this big movement that I've been hearing about, and it's more yeah. common probably in somewhere like the GTA than it is in Windsor because we still technically, from all from all perspectives, are, are relatively affordable in comparison. We're half oh, price, yeah. right? You want a For discount? Sure. Come down to For Windsor. Sure. We're about half price. And, and so when you think about that, though, there's a lot of, they're, they're, again, widows or, or widowers. And what they're doing is there's four people getting together, buying a property. And, and doing that mm. in a different scenario because they're saying, hey, well, we, we have some level of community. We'll have some autonomy. And so there's there's this idea out there that one of the things that as a culture for most of my life is a, we own our house. We live right. in our house and nobody right. else lives with us. We That's live right. by ourselves in our That's house. That's right. But if you go to most of the world, right, most of the rest of the world. They live with their family. Like the, you you live with your, your grandparents and you live with your parents That's and your true. aunts and uncles. People live in the same home 
Now they have some of their own space. You know what, though? That's healthy. When we talked about all the disassociation we have with technology today, here I think the old ways of living in Europe and places like that where you have multi-generational living in the same, that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. Well, that's how Brampton blew up was, again, and I lived there for a bit. And, and what's really cool was yeah. I, I lived in Brampton I, and I lived with, uh, I was in school at the time. So I was living with like people, like I lived in someone's home, but like we went right. over to their family's house, but the family kept buying property. So they all lived in one, bought another right. one once it was paid off right. and they bought another one. And that was their culture, but they all moved into one. That was, they had the patriarch, they had the matriarch, they had the whole family living there together. Yeah. And everyone worked under one, and and this is where I think is Canadians, and again we we as a, as a, like I I actually bought a home with my parents, like I live with my parents. We we ended up moving in together so they could retire into a nicer home, and I could move, take my move up budget and nice. create a different style of house. But but again, that's uncommon, and people are like, well, how did you, you know? Because usually, right? And there is some. Don't get me wrong. Not every day is amazing when you live with other people. Because again, I have a wife, and I'm sure she could say the same thing just about having to live with me. Um, but w- when you're living in other people's worlds, but overall, it's much better. You know why? Because we've had really amazing opportunity to have my parents cover for us and us cover for them. Nice. And you're working nice. in community together for yeah. the times where people are a little bit whatever, right? And I think that's we we're so scared of the minor times where we're going to have our disagreements compared to all of the good times that are created. And there's a, that's a mentality issue again, I think in our culture. And so again, I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's wrong to own your own home and live in your own space, but I think we, we have to remember community is how we've lived for most of our entire history. And, and so I think we, we got a little too far down the road and I think we're going to be drawn back into community. I think offices will be where people want to be again, instead of have to be. And I think there is like bringing us all the way back to that early conversation. I think that there's an idea that I go into the office a lot more now because of the energy from the office. If I stay home and I stay in my office where I'm currently sitting and I hang out here all day, I get bored out of my skull and stare at the ceiling. I'm the same as you. Same as you. I wander around and talk to people. Now, sometimes I don't go to the office because I don't want to be a distraction because once I get my work done, I want to go talk to everybody and I'll just wander around the office. (laughs) And and so again, knowing that people are working and being respectful, sometimes, you you know, but the overall thing is, is I'm one of those people that needs other people. I need their energy. I need to be around them and I get energy from them. And then there's the introvert. You're not, you're not the only one. I think there are many more extroverted people and introverted people. We all need some space. I I agree with that. But I think that social interaction is key. I really do believe that. I sometimes worry about the current generation because they spend way too much time on their laptop or with their phone and not enough time actually dealing with people face-to-face. But that's, yep. a, that's a topic for another, that's a, yeah. another podcast. <laughs> the, gen- the generational wars. <laughs> the boomer to the millennial uh, to the Gen X to the started. Gen Z to the, the Gen Z, well, I-, I can't even relate to those guys. Forget it. It's just... Anyways, that's another story. My son texts me and I tell him, don't do that. You're not allowed. You you type out all the words. You don't re- randomly send me nonsense that I can't understand. And you don't speak in a language I don't understand. And I sound like I'm a hundred years old, right? <laughs> like, oh man, I am old. It's getting there. Cause he's, he messaged me and I literally looked at it. And then I went and had a conversation with him. I'm like, no, I, I figured out what you said. Like I, I got it in the but end. It's like, it's like it's a piece all together. But it's, yeah. well, it's, he speak like he would text one of his buddies. I said, your dad is not like. I, not that I'm not a friend and I can't be friendly, but on, I don't George. understand. You, you can be, you can be hip now, man. You can be hip. You know all what the kids are hip. talking about, right? I'm hip. Exactly. I'm cool. Tucka, tucka, uh, Mr. <laughs> Dr. Evil from uh, Austin Powers. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's who I want to reference myself after uh, these days, no. but sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Who's your real you... Dr. Evil? No, I don't think so. Yeah. But you're not like no, that that's... at all. But oh, uh, and... no, I just think it's funny that trying to like meet his son, right? You're trying to. 
wow. as a, I think as, as a culture, as generational, we are trying to, you know, understand each other and we are different and there's nothing wrong with differences. We just have to understand them and then learn how to communicate through them. And I think that's, like I said, with my I son, agree. I said, Hey, I don't like, I think the, the, the problem is if I don't say anything to him and I just get annoyed every time he texts me that way, I think that's much worse than just going to say, Hey man, can you not do that? I, hey, I, I least, really don't like it. At least he's so, texting you. Imagine if he wasn't, but you that's, know? well, that's why I don't want yeah. him to stop texting me. I just, and if right, he, and if he right. continued, I'm not like, again, I'm saying this as a context. And so as a communication between cultures, here's the thing, like we have generational cultures, we have Toronto versus like, if you come live in Windsor and you are from the GTA, You'll find our culture down here is very different. We're very laid back. We chill out a lot. Um, we don't have the hustle and bustle, and that's just different. The river, wrong with it. Go to Detroit, right. where I've been, and that's a whole different world altogether. You know, yeah, so, and that's the cool yeah. part about Windsor is if you want to have, if you want to, yeah. if you're ever thinking about retiring and putting fifty percent of your, you know, money in the bank, and then being able to have all the major necessities of Toronto local, right. we right. have that in ten minutes. I can be in Detroit in ten minutes, going to a football game, which you know, Greektown, man. I can Greektown. go to the. Greek town, yeah. Greek town is amazing. I was, we were actually went over there for a Christmas party with our office. So Did you? like, okay. yeah, the, the, the cool part about Windsor Essex is a, we're surrounded by water. B, we have really cool climate compared to, we're about three or four degrees warmer most of the time than, than you'd find in Toronto. Now the benefit That's of Toronto, great. That's great. like Windsor, there's not a lot of snow. You guys don't get covered in snow, like Barry right? or, like, or Montreal, which is way, well, way different. And that's another thing, but uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's really kind of interesting as you look at the dynamics. So again, from the, from the perspectives of, of how we're four hours apart and yet we are different. If you go to London, yeah. London is different than Windsor different too. And that's still. only two hours away. And that's a, Again, I we're blue collar down here and we know it. We're not surprised by it. And we love the fact that it takes us 15 minutes to get everywhere. And most people down here, we have a second, you know, people have cottages or they have a, a toy where that's part of the benefit of the cost change that we trade, yeah. right? And one of the reasons why I moved back was trying to live in Toronto, man. That was that was expensive and very costly. When I came wow. back to Windsor, I was able to restabilize my life differently. And so it's not to say Toronto is a bad place. Don't get me wrong, guys. I think it's a phenomenal city. It's just different and understanding the differences. And it's not, it's not particularly easy. Um, Again, I moved to Mississauga in 1991, but we had lived in Toronto for many years uh, renting. uh, And I I couldn't find anything that I wanted to buy. We were going to get our first house and for the money that we had, the budget that we had, there was just, there was falling down stuff that I didn't want. So we moved to Mississauga, but, uh, but anyways, Yes, my friend. It's nice talking to you today, and definitely yeah. I'm going to put your contact information uh, underneath the, the the YouTube channel here, and also in the podcast. Uh, so yep. for anybody, anybody who's looking to buy or sell a house uh, in Windsor or in Essex County, I'm going to urge you to give Jordan a call, Jordan and his team, and because yep. I know they would be in good hands in your hands, man. I have no doubt about that whatsoever. It was a pleasure talking to you today. And you're welcome you, to come. You as well, you're, Randy. Yeah, you're welcome to come back on the podcast anytime. Anytime you want. Beautiful. In fact, let me know how your conference uh, goes in Vegas. That's amazing. Next time you're in the GTA, let's go for coffee. Or next time I'm in Windsor, but that might be a while. I don't know. I don't get out much anymore. You know, being an old geezer, I, I don't go that far anymore. But uh, but it was yeah. a, a pleasure talking to you for sure. And, Thanks so uh, much, Randy. It's been you're, awesome. You're welcome. And uh, let's do it again sometime. Okay. We'll do. Okay. Have a great day. Talk to you again. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Randy Selzer Real Estate Podcast. Follow us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And check out our main website at randyselzer.com for much more valuable info on the Canadian real estate scene.